back, literary slummers, to another episode of Shelf Aware, the podcast where we are reading books outside of our comfort zone. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This fortnight, we are delving into the world of cyberpunk. Um, yeah, something that I'm not super familiar with, but Em has read... Um, well, is the book we read this week or fortnight was Neuromancer by William Gibson, which is one M had read before and disliked, and therefore, mm. and I think you've read other books in the genre too, right? Uh, somewhat, yeah, somewhat. But this one just kind of left a bad taste in your mouth, I'm assuming. Yeah. So, okay, what's the deal with Cyberpunk? <laughs> <laughs> I first read this book. Uh, several years ago in a class mm-hmm. for college. Like, it was a sci-fi literature class. Yes. Um, but assigned reading is always garbage. Assigned reading <laughs> is garbage. But, like, at the same time, that class gave me a lot of books that I really, really liked. Okay. So it wasn't just the class, no, I don't waste. think. But, yeah, I read this ages ago. For those of you who don't know, but I feel like everybody has at least heard of Neuromancer, mm-hmm. um, maybe in passing. But it's a very, very famous sci-fi book from the 1980s. It won, like, the triple crown of sci-fi writing, like the Hugo, nebula? the Nebula, it? and the other one. <laughs> That was important. And it was like the first book to do that in one year. The Philip K. Dick Award. There you go. That guy. <laughs> and it was like pretty influential in the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I read it in college and I fucking hated it. I didn't understand anything that was going on. Yes. I thought it was very boring and stupid. And, um, Some nonsensical. Very nonsensical, but it didn't age well either. I think that was the biggest issue I had with it. It aged terribly. Yes, I th- and that's definitely one of the things I want to talk about is, well, the aging of it, I guess. Yes. But, well, actually, I guess I should say, so cyberpunk in general as the genre, I this is not the only book I've read in the genre, I suppose. I've read short stories that are cyberpunk, and I haven't liked any of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I read Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is technically like proto-cyberpunk. It was slightly before cyberpunk was cyberpunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the novel that Blade Runner is based off of, which yes. Blade Runner is like the cyberpunk movie of all cyberpunk <laughs> movies. I didn't really like that one either. And I'll get into in a second why I think I have issues with cyberpunk as a genre. But this book specifically, kind of my thoughts on it now that I've reread it, I liked it more Mm -hmm. the second time around. Um, I understood stuff more. (laughs) I... Which part of that is thanks to Wikipedia's plot? Oh my god, I know. I honestly, like, I was reading it alongside reading this book. It was absolutely ridiculous. Yes. And I'll start with the positives. Okay. Um... I think the writing is very evocative. I think um, this book was ahead of its time in many ways. Mm-hmm. It was a trailblazer. It did a lot of things. Like, it basically invented the genre, whether or not that genre should exist. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not sold on that. <laughs> but, you know, I I hesitate to say it's a bad book. Another thing for me is that my main complaint with the book is kind of what we've already said. It's very confusing and disorienting mm-hmm. and like hard to comprehend as a book that I am physically reading. It was like a fever dream. I Yes. Yeah. I know I sat there and I read it, but I'd have to go back and reread sections of it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I still just left with impressions. I don't Yes. There's no plot in my mind. There's no characters. It's just <laughs> ugh. now 
the thing is, because I was reading some modern critique of this uh-huh. as we like prep to go into the episode, and this is a common complaint. A lot of people reading this book now have this complaint, and I assume probably people back in the 80s had the same complaint, but you know, there wasn't an internet as much then so there wasn't there wasn't reddit yeah to get on and bitch about but a lot of people have this complaint of like i do not understand this am i stupid or is this bad writing that didn't age well and usually the response from people who like this book which is a lot of people is it is intentionally confusing in order to create this jarring tone right to create this like whole atmosphere of like disconnect and whatever which I do get and I'm not saying that that cannot be a stylistic choice Mm -hmm. what I am saying though is making the stylistic choice of I am writing a confusing book and just being bad at writing and (laughs) writing a confusing book are basically the same in the perception of it as the reader right so it's like it's very convenient that he's like that's my intention was that you wouldn't understand it. And <laughs> I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, as you read, if you reread it four or five times, because it's great literature, if you reread it four or five times, to. you'll get it. But I don't feel like that's a, like, I get that rereadability is a good thing, but I don't, I think that if your book cannot be understood in one reading. Yes. It may not be a problem with the reader. It may be a problem with the book. Yeah, I'm not it, saying it definitely is in this case, it can but maybe. It's like a little bit like gatekeeping, right? Where like mm-hmm. either like you weren't cool or smart enough to understand it yes. and that's your problem, which to me is like, why do you want to risk alienating an audience? But I guess he didn't because he did win the yeah, I mean, super people, awesome awards of science fiction. So clearly, and people still put this on best of lists all the time. Yeah, so clearly the right people understood it. But but then also there's like this voice in the back of my mind, and it's like, but did they? Or is it just because <laughs> like one person said they did, so everyone was like, oh yeah yeah yeah, I get it too. <laughs> it might be an Emperor's New Clothes situation where like <laughs> one person said that they got it, and then everyone was like, oh yeah yeah yeah, totally exactly Antigua clothes too exactly. Yeah. Um, same. Same, I don't same. know. Totally cool. Totally awesome. And again, I don't want to say it's a bad book because like I said, I think the writing is very evocative. I think like there's a lot of mm-hmm. good moments, I guess. Mm-hmm. And I really do like the ending. Usually that's the opposite of my taste, like my complaints with these books is like, oh, I liked everything up until the end and then it ended poorly. I think mm-hmm. the ending was actually really good. Uh-huh. Um, and if it had been like 150 pages shorter and it was just a short story with like kind of just that ending mm-hmm. I would have been into it yeah yeah <laughs> it was definitely but it was dragged like... out in yeah. a strange way like I don't know it was action-packed and there was always things happening but at but the same time happening. I'm like why does this need to be happening <laughs> yes and then kind of getting into my complaints um with the genre as a whole yes I think man I Told, I warned you that this was going to be a no, long you're opening fine. Se- segment, and it sure is. I don't want to get to the part where I have to explain what happened in this book, so please keep talking. <laughs> Great. Um, okay, so my complaints with the genre as a whole, from what I've experienced of it so far, which I mentioned books, um, mm-hmm. a few books, short stories, I I would point to, like, I feel like I've seen a decent amount of, like, cyberpunk movies yeah, on television. Yeah, um, movies and anime are my experience with Yeah, I was gonna say, I'm not a big gamer, but, like, I've seen people play cyberpunk-influenced games, and obviously, like, there's a lot of those that mm-hmm. exist. Um, Including one based off Neuromancer. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although I don't know if that one's particularly good because it was in the 80s, yeah, so it's probably not probably like, not. yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, the thing about cyberpunk to me um, is like when when it was explained to me as like what it was as a genre and maybe when we get into like the next episode in this unit when you kind of look more into what makes it a genre, mm-hmm. like the way it was explained to me is essentially it's like gritty dystopia mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, computer elements Mm -hmm. and it asks questions about like society. Like it's questioning society. Okay. Have we gone too far? Right. So like, here's the thing about that though. Mm -hmm. The part that's questioning society, that's all of sci-fi. That's all sci-fi. So I don't know why we're, (laughs) we're pretending that cyberpunk is a specific, no, all of sci-fi asks questions about society. (laughs) So like, I don't know. That's the entire point of maybe not even just sci-fi, all speculative fiction and possibly all fiction. So like, (laughs) that's a dumb marker for a genre. The other part of the equation, the other two parts. Okay. So gritty dystopia, again, that's, not really specific to cyberpunk. So I guess it's like in connection with the computer thing. Mm -hmm. But then when you kind of combine those, really all that is, is an aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Like it's not anything about like plots or characters or themes or like there's the genre is essentially an aesthetic. And this is not the only genre that's like that. I would argue a lot of times steampunk is like that. Mm -hmm. Although that at least has like some retro future, retro futurism aspects that can be like interesting to explore Mm -hmm. um, of like, what if, but for the most part, I feel like the thing about Steve or not steampunk. The thing about cyberpunk is that, it's really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And like this book, a lot of it is really, really cool. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of lines where I was like, ooh, that's a cool line. Or like visuals where I'm like, ooh, that's a cool visual. Mm-hmm. And like that's fun, but that's pretty much it. It's just, it, it feels very. It's just, like a, it's just like an Instagram filter over. Cycle. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's just not enough substance, mm-hmm. I think. I feel like it's very. Um, shallow yeah. and very like I'm always much more interested and maybe there is a sci-fi book out there that does this or a cyberpunk book out there that does this is I'm always very much more interested in how we got to that point and mm-hmm. the background like the technological and political background of how we got to that point yeah. and that to me is much more compelling than just like everyone's dirty but we have computers in our eyes you know <laughs> yes <laughs> And I mean, like, again, even if they don't want to info, like, because this was something I was reading, like, an interview with Gibson. I'll Mm -hmm. see if I can find it and link it. Something along the lines of, like, he was like, good sci-fi doesn't explain stuff. It just puts you in the middle of it. Mm -hmm. And, like, I get that. I do get that argument. And that's kind of, like, a big argument in sci-fi of, like, how much you should explain stuff. Um, But at the same time, I kind of feel like, it gets to a point where it's just you're not explaining stuff for the sake of not explaining it. Yeah, I think there are definitely books that do this a lot better of like, and and that's one of my complaints with this book too is like a lack of world building. Like there's a lot of Mm -hmm. tech description. Things just thrown out. Yes, and there's just things thrown out, but there's never, we're never given a why or or Mm -hmm. even just like a more specific reason 
for things being where they are in this book. But there are definitely sci-fi books out there that do this a lot better, and one that I'm going to mention when we get to the part of, like, other things that we're reading. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I feel like I have to preface this a lot by saying, like, it's not that cyberpunk itself, we're not saying it is a bad genre, it's just not one that appeals to us, or it's in my aesthetic, you know? Like, (laughs) well, and also, I mean, like... I feel like part of the problem is that most of my experience with cyberpunk is this stuff that's very 80s, right? That's true, like, too. Yeah, it's a very... I don't know what modern cyberpunk looks like if it exists. <laughs> because um... I guess kind of in some way we all have, like, computers in our eyeballs now. Basically, we're, like, one step away from that. So, like, I guess maybe it's not as interesting anymore. <laughs> we're there now. We are cyberpunk. We're living it. We're there. <laughs> this is no longer punk. This is mainstream. Poor and dirty, and I have a computer in my eye. <laughs> Exactly. So it's like, what's even the point? (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. Maybe like I would like more modern stuff better because I do think that the kind of the datedness of it doesn't help. And the fact that this was like the first one. So uh, we talked about this, I think, with The Hobbit, where it's like, yeah, a lot of stuff is really cool in it at the time, Mm -hmm. but we've seen it like 80 million times now. Like every single technological aspect of this book, like Futurama has done a goof about. And that's not the yes. fault of this book, but it's like when it gets to the point where everything that was fresh and new about it mm-hmm. has been parodied to death, like it's kind of, yeah. as a reader, not that great. Like I can appreciate it for like, oh, this was the er example of it, but it's not necessarily interesting except as like an academic sort of exercise. Yeah, yeah. Like we've kind of been spoiled by what has come beyond or yeah. what has come after this. Right. I'm but again, that's like, not the fault of William Gibson. Like Something like Mr. Robot maybe would be a modern cyberpunk. That's, I think it is actually listed on some as cyberpunk, but here's the thing mm-hmm. that kind of undercuts my thing about maybe I would like modern cyberpunk. Uh-huh. I didn't like Mr. Robot. Oh, I love Mr. Robot, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I also just really love Rami Malek, so maybe that's the whole... I mean, he's great, but mm-hmm. I just... I actually had a lot of complaints about it that I had about this book where mm-hmm. I was just like... I don't really understand what's going on, ah. and I don't get the point they're trying yeah. to make, and I fair. feel stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Very fair. I don't like things that make me feel dumb. <laughs> uh, well, we've rambled, about, or I've rambled about mm. the genre for 20 minutes now. Let's get into the plot oh synopsis. My God. I honestly have no idea what was happening in this book. It took me, okay, for a book that is less than 300 pages long, Mm -hmm. this took me so long to read. Yeah. It took me, like, probably five or six hours, which is outrageous for a book this length. It didn't take me that long because I had read it before Mm -hmm. and I knew going in I was going to need some help, so I had the Wikipedia ready. But I actually started it last night, and I read the first 12 pages, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, I literally went, fuck this, I can't, and just put it down. It was like, <laughs> I might not read this one. <laughs> but then I went to bed I thought and I about woke it up this too. morning. I was like, maybe this will be the book that ends this podcast. But <laughs> We powered through. I powered through. Uh, all right, so let's see. Let's see. I wrote all of this down, my summary of it. Um like an hour before we started recording. So mm. it was a little bit after I'd finished the book with time for me to reflect on it. Um, so I might have missed a lot of things and forgotten how everything connects together. So we'll I'll find out. I'll try to chime in when I can, Please but do. I really don't imagine I'll be much help. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think another, sorry, another problem with why I feel like I wasn't able to get 
my mind around the plot of this book or mm-hmm. what was happening, especially in the scenes where he's like jacked in and hacking yeah. and stuff, was because this was <laughs> so like <stupid. laughs> pre, not pre-internet, but like pre widespread internet like he yes. he coins the term cyberspace in this book which is like a term that we mm, I think it's actually in uh one of his short stories oh, yeah, that's prior right, to that's this right. <laughs> so like anything that book. has to do with him going into cyberspace and hacking and do, I'm just like this isn't I don't understand how this like fits into what I understand about the internet and the fact yeah. is that it doesn't and but it's so like the internet is so pervasive and ubiquitous I just I couldn't separate the two in my mind. Yeah, I, so. like I said, it's very, it works for the 80s when yeah. it was like, back when this you stuff had is to- just coming up and we don't know where it's going to go, but then it like went in a certain direction that wasn't this direction in the following decades. So. Uh, yeah, yeah. They banked a lot on the fact that payphones would still be around and they would use yeah. them to hack. <laughs> <laughs> I know like freaking was a thing back then when they would like use certain tones on phones or payphones mm-hmm. in order to hack i don't know how this shit works dude but I, yeah <laughs> but again that's that's all window dressing i guess yeah. like i can get over stuff that like i can get over in sci-fi stuff mm-hmm. ending up being anachronistic i guess yeah 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 um because like get it technology changes quickly you like you're not going to be able to understand. predict everything yeah but it does make it hard to read it now as yeah. like a just because it's so so deeply in the text like it's so mm-hmm. hard to parse it when it like we are such a like the internet is such a part of our culture Mm -hmm. now Mm -hmm. and this is like a version of the internet that isn't the version that we are familiar with yeah and And I think that made it like one of the most inaccessible books for me because even like older sci-fi like when we read um the book about bossy they'd rather be they'd rather be right like that didn't have anything to do with yeah none of that yeah So, like, that was fine. You could understand that. Even though it was written in the 50s, like, you were like, okay, whatever. I can follow this pretty well. But but this was just so inaccessible. And I think it's just because of that disconnect of, like, I couldn't separate my internet from William Gibson's internet. And so, whatever. Anyway. Oh, oh, you know what we didn't say before we got into... Oh, who's this book for? Yeah. ...doing the summary, which we still haven't done. That's okay, because we're we're putting it off even longer. (laughs) Who is this book for? Who would you recommend it to? Um... I do think that uh, sci-fi buffs maybe should give it a shot just to like, I would say, here's what I would say. If you like Mm sci-fi, give this one 50 pages. And if you aren't into it, feel free to duck out. Yeah. If you really enjoyed The Matrix, Ghost Uh in the Shell, Cowboy Bebop, try this out. Yeah. And I think that I would also maybe recommend this to, Maybe this might be a stretch, but to people like me who had read this in the past and didn't like it, maybe give it another go. Cause mm-hmm. I do think it does become like, I hate to agree with the people who are like, you have to read this book five times to get it, but it does seem like maybe you have to read this book five times to get it. Yeah. But the, oh, I just don't understand what compelled the first person to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's a lot of work to like commit to. Oh my gosh. Or like maybe read the Wikipedia article first, if you don't mind spoilers and then go and read the text. Yeah. Maybe that would have been a good way to do it. I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, like, the plot really doesn't matter in terms of your enjoyment of the book. It's all yeah. the style, right? Yeah. Like, that's the fun part of it. Yeah. Um, or maybe oh, if you really book. like film noir, film noir people should read this. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe try the audiobook. I don't know. Okay. That'd be fun. <laughs> all right. So, our main character, Case, 
is a former console cowboy, which is what they call hackers. Um, and he tried to cheat a former boss. Um, and that boss got revenge by giving Case too much of a certain kind of drug that affected his nervous system and mycotoxin. Him- hmm? It was mycotoxin, okay. which I noted very specifically because I think it's hysterical that it is mycotoxin because mycotoxin is just poison from mushrooms. And Look, this is the big He was scary. just tripping balls, man. Well, I'm just like, okay, like you have all of this technology and that's the big thing that brings <laughs> us down is mushroom poison. I don't know. Maybe there's something in there about like the the thing that brings down this like technologically connected man is like this natural substance. Maybe be. it like has some deep meaning, but I just think it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> As a dumb person who read this book, I just think it's funny. <laughs> well, the certain kind of drug like makes it so that he can no longer use the internet or something like it, it does something to his nervous system and he uses his nervous system to become one with cyberspace. I didn't understand how that whole thing worked. Like was he plugging I himself think, into something or yes? Okay, there are there are um because they mentioned like I can't remember what they're called, but it's like electrodes on his okay head. So was he they actually like wearing times. stuff like those little uh, sticky yeah? Because they okay yes he has like Nodes. I think Nodes. receptors on his head and then they have like a headband that he puts on. I'm pretty uh, sure. I see. Okay. So in this universe, the only way to Google stuff is to get, like, cybernetic implantations, yeah. I guess. Yeah, and then you, like, talk to someone, and they talk back to you. Like, they read the results yeah. to you. So it's just like... And the way that it was described was, like, you could... you. It was basically, like, real life because of the way all the data was connecting, and you mm-hmm. were just, like, yourself, but in a holographic version of things. Yeah, I was picturing it very much as, like, Again, those very 80s, like, mm-hmm. virtual reality type yeah. spaces where it's just, like, the grids. Yeah, like, like Tron or, like, that episode of Futurama where they go on yes. the internet. Because <laughs> I think they mentioned a few times, like, when he's in cyberspace, mm-hmm. sometimes it's, like, a voice that answers him. And then, obviously, we get into the actual, like, AIs and yes. whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think also a few times, like, holographic letters pop up or something yeah. in front of his face. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. I don't know if that was real life or internet life. I don't know. Yeah, hard to tell. (laughs) So Case is living in, I think, Chiba, Japan, and Mm -hmm. he is addicted to drugs and leading a lifestyle that he is kind of secretly hoping will get him killed eventually. Like, he's just hired himself out as a hitman, and he's just being poor, dirty, with no computer in his eye. It's very sad. Um, but eventually a woman named Molly finds him and Molly has like these lenses in her eyes and some Wolverine fingernail shit going on and also leather jeans. (laughs) Molly is like, to me, very much the like early 2000s cool girl from the movie. Yeah. She's like Trinity. Yeah. Like she's just like. Look at all of these cool features that she has. Yeah. And, like, her per- personality doesn't exist. And then, and then ultimately, like, she doesn't mean anything at all to no. the plot. Because some man has to come save her. And usually the man is inept. But it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, she has been hired by some guy named Armitage to track down some people to make a team to do some hacking. I guess they want to steal... An AI. The Declaration of Independence. Yeah, they want to steal the Declaration of Independence um, in the form of an AI so that they can break into another AI. Mm. Whatever. Um, But 
Armitage is able to pay for some super advanced surgery for Case that fixes his nerves and allows him to log back on to AOL. And also he like gives him a pancreas <laughs> that makes it so that he can't do cocaine anymore. He goes and gets him an AOL CD. <laughs> it's like, here you go, bud. <laughs> it's just, meaner, meaner, this is real cutting edge here in the 80s, but in about 20 years or so, this is going to be filling landfills everywhere. <laughs> And Case and Molly start having sex because questions were Natch, natch. Yeah, yeah. We get, I would say, I would say we get an appropriate amount of descriptions of Molly's boobs for a sci-fi yes. book in the 80s written by a man. I was like, you know what? Not I, If this was written today, I'd be taking him to task, but honestly, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I, the only time I thought it was super egregious was like the first time that he sim-stims into her and mm-hmm. she just like starts fondling her nipples and was like, hey, Case, yeah. how's it going? I'm like, mm, yeah. I know a woman's just gonna, whatever. <laughs> anyway. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so Case does this thing where he can, like, sim-stim into Molly, which basically, when he is logged onto the internet, he can log into Molly and see and experience everything that she's seeing and experiencing. Like, he feels the pain that she feels, and she can, like, sub-vocalize thoughts to him, I guess. I don't know. Which they mentioned in this book, and I, I um, saw that it becomes more of a thing in the next two books in this trilogy, because it is a trilogy. Yeah. Um. Kind of like a disconnected trilogy, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, it's not that it's all the same characters. But, yeah, same universe, different. But they mention, like, this idea of, like, Simstim stars, where it's, like, people, I guess, who let other people experience their life every day. And they probably oh, do, like, that's fun, cool. luxurious things. Well, they mention it a couple times in here, but it's, like, throwaway lines to, uh-huh. like, world build. Um which is like, very, I thought that was one thing that I was like, that is very, very precious. I w- like, yeah, in, that's like a Black terms of like episode. Instagram, like YouTube yeah. vlogs, like oh, we're not yeah. in their head, but it's essentially the same idea of like Almost. people just like living life with people. Yeah, they like influencers. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to think, like, I don't think that was really a thing in the 80s. Like, I don't think there was a comparable thing like a lot of times you can be like when someone predicts like cell phones it's like okay well you have phones you could see that they might get smaller (laughs) we want them to go with us now right exactly but i don't think there was like i don't know if that was like celebrity culture i don't feel like was the same as it was today i could Mm -hmm. be wrong if you were um, alive in the 80s and know what the equivalent to instagram influencers tiger beat magazine I guess. Like, I mean, like, I definitely there are models and stuff, but, like, not in the way of, like, you We didn't have as much access. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So they break into this place called SenseNet, which I guess is the company that's housing the AI, which this this AI, the smaller AI, is the consci- consciousness of a guy named Dixie Flatline um, mm-hmm. that trained Case to do the hacking back in the day. But his name isn't actually Dixie Flatline. No, it's, it's something actually, like, McCoy. Yeah, like, I feel like it's Petey, but I actually don't think it's Petey. It might be Paul. Polly? Polly McCoy. Polly McCoy. Yes. Um, Maybe. Possibly. Possibly. Don't quote us on that. About maybe a 60% chance that we're right. (laughs) I did want to bring this up just because it was another another fucking issue I had with this book that made it fucking incomprehensible. Everybody had 18 fucking names. Yeah. Every single person I interacted with had, like, a different nickname for them. And sometimes it was a code name, and Mm -hmm. sometimes it was just they decided to call them that. I'm just like... 
I can't follow what the fuck you guys are talking yes. about if you if the character's name changes every scene based on who they're talking to. Yes, because we call him McCoy, we call him Dixie, we call him Flatline. It's just, I, it took me ages to realize it was all the same thing. And then the it AIs, was, like the big ones that we get to later, they go by a personal name and they also go by the name of like where they're housed. And so yes. it, and then like, even like freaking Molly, like Molly was like, Molly and then like she had some other pseudonym that people use and then like when they eventually get to the weirdly racially charged Jamaican planet or whatever <laughs> um they all had like a different name for her out of nowhere and I can't remember what it was but it was like real it was like oh it was like stabby Cat girl. or something or no know. no cuz that was the Panthers oh the Panthers shit. had that name for her yeah. and then the Jamaican guys had a different name for her yeah which like I don't know. What was the deal with the Panthers? Were those supposed to... Because it's this gang called the Modern Panthers. They're like I was like... Domestic terrorists. And I don't know if they were supposed to be a callback to, like, the Black yeah. Panthers. Yeah, that was what? my question, too. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so they so they hack into SenseNet with the help of these Panther Moderns, which... Let's see what Wikipedia has to say about the Panther Moderns. I don't think they, they just said it was a gang, I think. You're probably right. Because yeah. I was interested. Street gang. And they do a simulated terrorist attack on SenseNet, which somehow involved, like, micro-machine guns and killing people. Cool, cool. I don't know, man. It was so weird. For the number of people that died in this book, I absolutely never felt any tension that any of the main characters would die. And then I'm like, if they died in cyberspace, do they die in real life? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't like, think so. It's not real bullets hitting them. So, like, who gives a shit about what the Panther Moderns yeah. are doing? I don't know. Just... Were they shooting people in cyberspace or were they shooting people in real life? I don't know. I thought it was simulated. <laughs> I thought it was real. Because they all got on their <laughs> pay phones and they were calling no. in. They were just on the paper going, rat-a-tat-tat, rat-a-tat-tat, because they were <laughs> shooting. I don't know, man. I don't understand this book. I thought the payphone thing was just them... Oh, I don't even know what I thought with this scene. <sighs> but anyway, so they do that. And then Molly goes in and seals this ROM that has Dixie on it in case hacks. I don't know. And they get the AI, which is, I guess, what matters. But also, I was like, but did we need this to happen? <laughs> I think we did thematically. I don't think we needed it for the plot because, like, yeah, like the an introduction. plot doesn't matter. Because the, the reason that they get the AI, as it turns out, is to help with this overall plot of getting the other AI. Yeah. And so to get, when they get this AI, it's like, oh, he's going to help with the hacking. But it's like, you could have just had the one guy be good enough at hacking. Yeah. <laughs> like, he didn't need to do this. But I mean, like, in terms of the ending, like, it was a good, his, his plot line was a good ending, I thought. Like, the way that mm. this AI ends up mm-hmm. going down, you know? Yeah. But... It didn't add anything to the plot, really. Except yeah. again to give, like, to give uh, case case somebody to like bounce stuff A off friend. of. Yeah. And then uh, after this, Molly tells Case to start looking into Armitage because shit seems a little weird to them. And so Case is just like Google, tell me who Armitage is, and it's like he's some real guy named Corto who was part of some military operation called the Screaming Fist, which went haywire. It was basically like the government wanted to launch this attack against Russia, but they knew that Russia had developed a way that would stop this attack, but they made their guys do it anyway, and it caused the deaths of everyone except one person, and that one person was Corto, and he escaped with his life. And after escaping, 
the AI uh, that they're trying to hack into reached out to... Well, they don't find that out till later, but I'm just going to tell you now because fuck it. So the AI <laughs> that they're trying to break into is called Wintermute. And that AI reached out to Corto when he was going through rehab or I don't know what and basically programmed a new personality into him called Armitage. And so Armitage is doing Wintermute's uh, desires. What's the word I'm looking for? He's doing his... Bidding. Bidding. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So they find all that out there and they're like, well, shit checks out. Let's just keep working for him. Because... Also, I didn't mention, um, Armitage is like, I put poison sacks in your bloodstream case. Oh, yeah. So if, and they will dissolve naturally over time, unless you do what I say. And at the end of the job, I will give you an enzyme that will make the poison go away. Okay. <laughs> There's like no logical way to tell this story. All right. <laughs> So they go to Istanbul to recruit the next guy they need named Peter Riviera, who does some sort of holographic projection hallucination type shit. And also he is like a drug addicted sociopath. Yes. They get him. Whatever. And it was the most confusing. I, okay. This, I wrote in the book, like, I literally wrote what the actual fuck is happening here because I... Because there's, like, a scene where they're, like, contact, I guess. he They, like, go to this place, I think, where they think he's going to be. And then they all see, like, some horrifying creature and they shoot at it. And then, like, Riviera's there and they're, like, come with us. Is essentially how it broke down, right? Yeah, like, I guess Riviera projected this image of Yes, but you don't find out he has that ability for, like, eight chapters. And then they don't, like, explain it. (laughs) It's just, like... Like, ages later, he creates a holographic porno for everybody at mm-hmm. a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're like, oh, I guess that slime monster from earlier was this. But they don't, like, say yeah. that or explain that in any way. So it's just very confusing. And I don't even know what... Because didn't the one guy get his, like, finger chomped off or something? I think or he was lost that a hologram when he too? shot his gun. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. But okay. I don't know. I like, like, then why would you have that gun that made you lose your finger? It's a bad gun is the thing. <laughs> all of the weapons in this. I was like, I don't want to advocate for like, let's all have super weapons and guns that can right. shoot really fast and stuff. But like at the same time, everybody's running around with like fucking shurikens and yes. <laughs> some like goddamn, what the fuck was the Cobra thing? I don't was know. That just let's read the was description of the stick? Cobra because it makes no sense to me. Maybe someone out there could draw it. If you'd like to turn to page 15, it's oh where my God, it is in it was my that edition. Far back. Okay. The lid was yellow cardboard stamped with the crude image of a coiled cobra. Inside were eight identical tissue-wrapped cylinders. He watched while mottled brown fingers stripped the paper from one. She held the thing up for him to examine, a dull steel tube with a leather thong at one end and a small bronze pyramid at the other. She gripped the tube with one hand, the pyramid between her other thumb and forefinger, and pulled. Three oil telescoping segments of tightly wound coil springs slid out and locked. Cobra, she said. So, what? like, was it a slingshot? Was it... I, I don't know. I The first time reading it, it sounded to me like it was just, like, a telescoping stick that you could hit people with and had, like, a spiky thing at the end. Uh-huh. But now I'm thinking it was more like um, nunchucks, but, like, multiple parts, maybe? But now I'm not really sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> don't know. 
Maybe like a like a whip, but with like a cat of nine tails, you know. But yeah, with three and it's a cobra. I don't fucking and know. and also with that's metal this whole tubes. book. Every description <laughs> in this book. You said so many words, and I still don't know what it is. None of them go together. I understand English. I know I do. <laughs> anyway, a gold steel tube with a leather thong at one end and a small bronze. It doesn't <laughs> matter. I've read it like a thousand <laughs> times. Someone so I think the me, pyramid please. part is like a button, I think. Okay. But then I don't know what the letter is. No, it's like it's for. like those whistle things where you pull the one end <laughs> to make the noise, but you pull the one end to make the cobra come out. I don't know. <laughs> I just it seems like and then eventually it is revealed that people like have lasers and shit. So I'm like, why are you fucking around why with this garbage? Why don't you just always use a laser? Just use a laser. <laughs> we don't need to do this. <laughs> oh my god. I don't even know where I am in this. Riviera. We just picked him up. Okay. So yeah, they pick up Riviera and then also the AI named Wintermute reaches out to Case and Molly. Just to Case, I think. I don't know if he reaches out to Molly at this point. But he reaches out to Case by calling him on some pay phones. Um, But Case is like, nah, bitch, I don't want to talk to you and hangs up the phone. So (laughs) I'm like, wow, that could have been a cool place to propel the plot. But now let's just keep doing this crazy fever dream of a book. So it turns out Wintermute was created by some rich-ass tech family called the Tessier Ash Pools. Mm. And they own a villa on a planet or a satellite or a space station, I don't know, named Freeside. And also they are often cryogenically frozen and also cloned. Yeah, and I didn't understand. I, the... Yeah, they just unfreeze themselves when they have business to attend to. I, I think the situation, okay, I think they what it is. to live forever is that there is the parents, the mother and the father, and the mother we find out was killed by the father, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And at that point, the father started cryogenically freezing himself and would, like, get up every 30 years or whatever Uh and then go back in cryogenic freezing. In addition, there was cloning going on, and I don't know... I think they were clones of those two. Like, I think it was... Jane. Well, I think they had, because they have daughters. and Well, they, they refer to them as daughters, mm-hmm. but he also definitely fucks them. So I think it might uh, be clones of his wife, and ooh. they're legally his daughters. Because he says oh, at one point that he has one unfrozen to be, or like he, he requests a clone or whatever. He like fucks her and kills her. And he refers to her as like, like he says something like, I know that might be strange to think of like for something that's legally my daughter. Mm-hmm. So I th- I totally missed out on that. I think maybe they're clones of the married couple uh, or they are clones of their children and it's just really gross. fucked up. Like yeah. either way, it's pretty bad, but. Yeah, because they call them like lady or sir, a number yes. and then their name. And the number is supposed yes. to specify like what, how many times that one has been cloned or something. Or know. which number it is. I don't know. I'm, I'm unclear. 100% unclear. <laughs> <laughs> they might have also been cryogenically frozen, but the main cryogenically frozen one is the father. Yes. The father-husband. So they have made Wintermute, or the wife of the family had made Wintermute, but she had also made another AI. And um, there's a body called the Turing Police that dictates how powerful AIs can get. And they basically said, nah, wife of this family, that AI is too powerful. We cannot allow you to do this. It is illegal, whatever. So she just like split it into two and then gave Wintermute the directive that it had to 
like its main directive was to join with its counterpart. Mm. Um, so essentially, it, what it boils down to is that Wintermute is the one controlling Armitage slash Corto because he put that personality in there and he's manipulating or it, excuse me, that's the whole point of the book. It's manipulating a lot of the events that brought this team together and um, even going so far as to like, before this team was even put together, like it was just basically awake and watching this family for years to come up with a plan to combine its two parts so that would become a super powerful processing unit. Now, here's my one question about the whole Armitage. Well, I have many questions, but a Mm -hmm. question about the Armitage thing, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, Wintermute created the Armitage personality, right? Like, he didn't get that from somewhere, right? Right. He said, like, it's like a whole cloth personality that he installed over Corto's personality, right? I think so. Okay, so, like... Because here's the thing, every time Wintermute shows up, he's borrowing the aspect of someone else yeah. that, like, and he specifically says, I can't make my own personality. So, like, but you can make personalities for other people, so just make the Armitage personality, and then just start doing that one. That's, just, that's <laughs> just making your that own guy. personality, isn't it? Just be that guy. Yeah, like, why do you have to, like, knock people unconscious, unconscious and brain dead, and then present them with the body of a loved one or a friend and be like, hi, I'm an AI come to speak to you. (laughs) I mean, I get, again, I get that it's a cool visual and also would be very handy for the movie that like Mm -hmm. you can just keep reusing actors. But like, that seems like a bit of planning that probably wasn't intentioned in the (laughs) writing of the book. The AI was just too busy. He was thinking of the grander picture that the smaller Mm -hmm. details escaped him, escaped it. Uh, anyway, the uh, team attracts the attention of the Turing police, and Case, and only Case, I guess, is arrested by them. Uh, as he's being taken into custody, Wintermute is able to take care, or take control of some nearby security systems, and he basically just kills the police officers. Yeah. So, like, cool, I'm glad that we went through all that. I'm glad that was a plot point in the story that yeah. happened. Because then there's like at the end there's this line that's like, oh, the AIs they made it so that there was no crimes committed and the police are no longer involved in an investigation. So I'm like, cool. So then why did we even have the police? Like, <laughs> like if that was to ratchet up the tension, it didn't work because I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> um, then Armitage starts falling apart because he starts to remember things about his past and being Corto and he like thinks he's still on that failed mission and so he's like we have to evacuate and Wintermute is just like okay and he just launches him out into space you've skipped all of Jamaica Planet by the way I know because I didn't understand Jamaica (laughs) Planet at all and I did write in my in my summer I have a line that says he is saved by this Rastafarian guy that is with him for reasons I don't understand and aren't covered in the Wikipedia article (laughs) (laughs) they go to a a planet or space station or moon i don't know and it's like colonized it was like colonized by like five guys who were like i guess like kind of up there for grunt work they were supposed to colonize somewhere else i guess yeah and they were like nah fuck this we're just gonna take over this area and then a bunch of other people somehow got there but point being there's some weird shit with like the elders being like, we know that this is so. I guess like this is probably Babylon, Wintermute. the end of days. Yeah, like I guess Wintermute probably influenced them somehow, but they convinced one of their um, people to go with as again just a person to be along, so that 
case has someone to talk to, except not in cyberspace in like the rest of the time. Yeah. Again, what? It's fine. <laughs> and also, also like, so he could be the muscle at the end because yeah, yeah, needed. And they also, I guess, do some training there on Jamaica Planet where they like um, pre- prepare to be in zero gravity. Yeah. And, and again, there's a we're lot saying of, like, Jamaica Planet and they specify it's like Rastafarians, except yes. for one of the people who founded them. And they're all like, hey, why don't you have the accent? And he's like, I'm from L.A. or something. Yes. <laughs> Which, like, okay. <laughs> um, but also all of the characters who are Jamaican, I do want to point out, do speak in a very, very stereotypical, very fun, fun Jamaican patois that is written phonetically on the page. Fun uh, for everyone. As if this book wasn't confusing enough. <laughs> um... Yes, so let's see. Wintermute kills Armitage. So then Case is like, ah, shit, there goes my enzyme. I'm going to die from, or I'm going to, the poison's going to get me now. But Wintermute is like, well, if you go into this villa to help out the people that are, like, so Peter and, and Molly are inside the villa trying to do some stuff that needs to be done in person. So Wintermute's like, yeah, I just go inside there also. And once the job is done, I because I was the one that created Armitage, I'm the one that knows the enzyme. So it's really MBD that I killed this guy. And really, honestly, we just could have done without him because what else did this guy do uh, except for just be a puppet? And also, what was the point of any of this plan? Because it's like, like you said, he's like, okay. So the, the plan at this point is that Peter is supposed to seduce Lady Three Jane. Yes, um, in order to get the, the secret code word out of her. Yes. Um, and yeah. then Molly is supposed to go in and kill Peter and get the code too, I guess, or get it from <laughs> Peter. Not sure. But she's gone in and has gotten captured because Peter's gone rogue at this point. Yes. And it's like, no, fuck all this. Which, who would have thought? He's a sociopath. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to follow the computer's plans. But then also we find out that, like, Lady... Ch- Lady Three Jane has, like, been talking to Wintermute. Yeah, it's like, since she was a little girl. It kind of seems like if Wintermute... And has also, like, done things at Wintermute's behest. Yeah. So, like, it kind of seems like... It kind of seems like, number one, we didn't need Peter because Molly could have just gone in and done all of this. Because Lady Three Jane, by the way, is, like, bi as hell and super feeling Molly. Um... (laughs) So, like, she could have just seduced her, number one. And I feel like the computer should have known that about Lady 3J, because it was pretty obvious. Uh-huh. So, like, Peter was unnecessary entirely. Yes. But then we send Case in to go, like, get the info once Molly fails. And it's like, well, why don't we just send Case in in the first place? Why did we need Molly? Exactly. Um, so that's dumb, too. And then it's like, okay, but the computer also has been talking to this woman her entire life and manipulating her. Why did we need them to go in at all? Just have the computer be like, yo, please email the the, uh, password to my friend. Like, why did we need to do any of this? It was such a, like, overly convoluted plan. There was so many moving parts. And I think at the end it was supposed to be like a whole, like, wow, wow, look at all the small details that finally all came together to make a bigger picture. But it was just like, And I think not? I think there was something about, like, Lady Three Jane's mom, the original, like, inventor, not wanting them to be together or something. And, like, Lady Three Jane was, like, trying to follow her mother's wishes. And that's why she was, like, withholding the password. But then they get the password out of her so easily. I'm yeah, like, she's like, oh, here it is. She's like, well, I guess you're right. Here's the password. And it's like, okay, 
why why didn't the fucking magic computer that has access to all information ever except for the password because that's one of the he's things he's programmed to, to not allowed not be able to know yeah. it's like okay i get that you can't ask her and have her tell you but just be like hey you pick up the payphone and call somebody and tell them <laughs> what the thing is and then we don't have to do any of this <laughs> yeah, just- so many people died <laughs> So much unnecessary including action. Including Peter at this point, which is um, because, <laughs> again, again, it's, like, so overkill. Like, so P- so Lady 3 Jane has a ninja bodyguard named Yes, Hideo. and there's so much, like, backstory about this bodyguard from several different characters. I believe he's, like, a clone of, like, the same yeah, clone yeah. that attacked Molly. Because his whole family is into weird cloning. Yes, um, and he just keeps popping up in this book, but then at the end, it's just like he's blinded, and then he chases off after Peter, and that's it. He is okay. Let me break this down though, because he's blinded in this fight with Peter. Peter like lasers his eyeballs out, which okay, cool. He had like a laser in his chest. It was like what? Everybody has like really fun mech like implantations, and it's really super fun. I in really case it's just that. like a meat bag that, that can get on the internet. <laughs> But uh, Peter, like, his main thing that he has used in fights so far is creating beautiful illusions that make people think stuff is happening that's not happening with his drugs. Like, he has drugs that allow him to do this. I don't want to get into that, but okay. (laughs) So he lasers Hideo's eyeballs out. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, Lady 3 Jane is like, you fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) He practices in the dark. He practices in the dark. We used to blindfold him all the time so that he could shoot with his bow and arrow, which is Hideo's weapon of choice, by the way. Laser <laughs> versus bow and arrow. What the Who fuck? Who will win? <laughs> but anyway, so then Hideo goes, like, chasing after him. Which, like, okay. So even, even if Peter didn't know that he, surprise, happens to have practiced in the dark all uh-huh. the time. Like, you still, the thing that you just did took away your one really good weapon aside from the lasers. So it's like, your good weapon was you can create visual illusions. You were an idiot. Just blinded this guy. So that's very stupid. And also, also you have a laser. Why didn't you laser him to death? Why did you laser his eyes? Why did you go for the eyes, Peter? And then... To add on to this just immense stupidity, Lady Three Jane's like, oh yeah, Hideo's definitely going to kill him. And Molly's like, well, it's cool, because even if Hideo doesn't, I've been secretly poisoning him this whole time, so he's going to die anyway. <sighs> cool, I guess. I Yeah. Seems like Whatever. all of this bullshit with the lasers and Hideo was not needed then. It was so stupid. There was so much build-up to this Hideo guy, and then it just ended in like a, oh. <laughs> Which is like what most of this book is. Oh. Oh. Uh, so let's see. They're in the villa. Oh, so before they even goes in the villa, though, like, Case begins to hack into Wintermute, uh, but then the other, like, big AI, who we learned is named Neuromancer, tries to trap Case inside the internet. <laughs> which makes Case go brain dead IRL. And he's done it like a couple times, right? Like yes, this is yes. like his big play. Yeah, this is the big one where he like creates this 
space in cyberspace where Case is like back in that shitty part of Japan and he's with his ex-girlfriend that was killed in this part that I didn't mention because it's dumb and I didn't understand it. And then she's like, come stay with me here, Case. It's a perfect, beautiful place. And then Case is like, no. And that somehow defeats the internet. Again, okay, so like... Oh, that's actually, that's not how he escapes. I remember how he escapes now. Oh, how does... That guy causes him to OD on drugs. And so when I guess his body... I've read this book twice, and I don't remember this at all. Yeah, that's how he wakes up from this dream, is the guy put so many drugs inside of him that his whole body shut down, and I guess that cut off his connection to the internet. He just restarted the modem, man. (laughs) I also, okay, so, like, again, this is kind of the part of the book that I liked more than the rest of it. Like, this Uh whole back, like, 50 pages where stuff is actually happening. Uh Um, But, okay, like... You are a magical supercomputer AI that can create anything and create personalities. Because this is the thing we find out about Neuromancer, is that he doesn't have to wear the face of, like, someone else. He created his persona whole cloth, and yes. he's like, I, I traffic in personalities. It's what I'm good at. Yes, he, he, like, brings... traps people's consciousnesses in cyberspace. I don't think it's so much he, like, tra- Like, I don't, well, he I don't copies read it as, like, them. a... He copies yeah, he copies them and lets them live forever in cyberspace. Yes. Because, like, that's what he did with the girlfriend because he knew, like, he could see the signs that, like, the situation was going bad. So he, like, copied her persona and put her in cyberspace yes. to save her. But then, obviously, her, like, meat self is dead. So that gets kind of into questions of, like, is that still her or is it a copy or does it matter? Blah, 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 whatever. Yes. Um, but, okay, the thing to point out with this is it's, like, you are... A being of infinite capabilities that can create any scenario and create any sort of person and, like, offer this man anything in the world. And, like, mm-hmm. what you came up with is, like, hey, do you want to live in this garbage barge and hang out with this, like, girl you kind of like? <laughs> what? <laughs> the girl you got addicted to drugs and then stole from you? And, I mean, like, I don't know if we're supposed to read it as, like, Laura Lee was, like, the love of his life or something. But it's, like, Lindley. it definitely doesn't seem that way. It definitely seems like he doesn't give a shit about her for most of the book, or he's just kind yeah. of bummed about it. And it's like, I don't know, man. Make, give him, like, a water slide palace. Like, why are you, why was this your big thing? Like, give him, like, a, a never-ending supply of food and, like, a <laughs> really nice place to sleep. Yeah, and, like, like something that he would actually appreciate. Chocolate pudding. Like, something interesting mm. that would, like, be new and interesting. Yeah. Not, like here's here's your like the garbage and I think it's like they do go to like Oceanside kind of hangout that's like different from what he usually like it was like a new area food like shitty ration food it's not even real food I think the like again I think if I am to uh break this down as like literature it's like oh he's offering him to start over in kind of like a garden of eden situation away from all the like technologies of the world but actually haha he's still trapped by technology we can't escape and go back to nature but like Like, why would that that? be compelling to someone who's addicted to technology Right. right and also like i get it from like the the point of view of a reader i don't get why the computer made this choice from the point of view like it's not a logical thing for the computer to have done. Yeah. You know, if I was if I was a neuromancer, I would have been like, okay, the scenario is you succeeded. And yeah. Now you're rich and you and Molly are together having weird sex all the time 
and everyone wants you to hack for them. That's 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 the scenario I create to trap him in there forever. Right. That's all he wants. That's what he does. Yeah, like all he wants is just to be able to be online in the computer all the time. <laughs> so I feel like actually if Neuromancer had led with like, hey, you get to be in a computer simulation all the time, he probably would have been like, oh, okay, tight, oh, okay. tight, tight, tight. Yeah, fuck but those like, guys. But like instead he's like, He's like, here, here's a beautiful island for you to hang out with, with this girl who I guess you care about. Died 200 pages ago. Right. And it's like, well, obviously this isn't going to be appealing. I don't know. Exactly. I don't know. Ugh. So he wakes up from that, and this is the point where Wintermute asks him to go inside the villa because Peter has betrayed Molly and attacked her. Uh, Case goes inside, blah, 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 blah. That stuff happens with the laser, and Peter being drugged okay they do a thing they do the thing with the speaking of the password and hacking into wintermute simultaneously and wintermute and neuromancer unite and they make a super genius ai who can talk to other super genius ais that are out in different galaxies and shit i guess and then molly and case are paid for their services and they try to work it out for a while but then she leaves him and case continues to hack and he gets a new girlfriend named michael and that's the end. <laughs> and okay, so I do want to point out though, a big part of this book is that Case is an addict. And I think, like, again, there's obviously like parallels to be drawn between like the drug addiction thing and the technological addiction and whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's like literally an addict to drugs. And yes. when they recruit him and put the things in his brain, they swap out his like pancreas and liver, I think, yeah. and make it so that he is not affected by he can no longer the be drugs addicted. that he is currently on. Yes. So like cocaine or whatever. But he really <laughs> wants that. But he really, really wants it. And so at a couple points he like finds more intense drugs and takes those. Yes. And that seems to work out pretty well for him. And then also like at the end, part of the epilogue is him being like he got another surgery and got a new pancreas and livers. I I presume so he can do more drugs. Yes. Which, yes. like, that's his choice, I suppose. That's a cool And that's moral, fine. I but I also don't really understand what we're supposed to take from that. I guess just that he went back to being a regular old shithead. I don't know. He can get on right. the Like, I feel now, like it's this is like- another book where the main character... I can almost accept this as like a a good book in terms of characters if we mm-hmm. accept the AIs as the main characters, but uh-huh. they're not on the page enough for that to be really an option. So like yeah. Case is the main character, but like he doesn't change at all from the beginning to the end, mm-hmm. right? Like unless I'm missing something. No, he's he, he really technology. Doesn't. He wants technology. He wants drugs, and he ends up wanting technology and wanting and drugs this whole like situation he acts totally unaffected by anything happening to him yeah. at all times he's just like well gotta keep doing the job he gets very upset when Corto dies because yes, he's like fuck now i'm gonna he thinks die he's gonna die yeah but he didn't even like get that upset when he thought he was gonna die like because Corto was like hey i put these things in your brain yeah he wasn't like oh fuck you man he was just kind of like well better well, log on guess i gotta hack Gotta, gotta hack my fast. Emails. Like I haven't been online in two years. I have so many spam. <laughs> gotta delete them. As a character piece, and I think this is a big issue I have with this book. I've said that so many times in this episode. Mm-hmm. But a big issue I have with this book is that the characters are pointless. There's no... Yes. Any of the characters that have any sort of arc or interestingness about them, like, we don't get to see their full arc. We don't right. get all of their story 
we just get bits and pieces. It's like, I'm interested in uh, Peter. I'm interested in Lady Three Jane mm-hmm. and her dad and their weird family situation. I like that Julie guy yeah. from the beginning. He was all right. Sense. I thought he could have been interesting. He could have been. Um, and then I like the AIs, but like, yeah. we don't get to hang out with any of them. We have to hang out with this dumb cowboy, this dumb council, council cowboy. cowboy. And I just... It, it was such a frustrating book. Like I kind of said, I don't think that the uh, Molly was particularly interesting either, like in terms of she no, had a little yeah. bit more going on, but not much. Yeah, she was just stereotypical tough girl that, but like written by a man so they don't carry through as tough girl. Yeah, you know? and like so. sad sexual abuse backstory, which is yes. always fun. Yeah. So, bleh. Glad I'm finished with this one. <laughs> It didn't make me feel positive about the genre as a whole. I can tell you that yeah. much. If this is like heralded as one of the best, if the, not best the best offerings. Um, so as um, you know, one of the changes that we have made with our podcast is that we are going to be trying to find something within this genre that um would be appealing to mm. whoever picked the unit, whatever. So, and um, if is there anything that you would like to see changed, either about like that you would have found more appealing in this book or in just anything about the cyberpunk genre as a whole. I mean, I feel like this is such a low bar now for me. And I know, again, right? I, I totally get, I, to, I don't want to get a bunch of angry tweets or emails. Actually, I would like to get those just to have some sort of connection on this mm-hmm. podcast. So mm-hmm. if you want to be angry at me, go ahead, like tweet at me. <laughs> don't be angry at me. I didn't choose this book. <laughs> but I will say like, if you are like, this is a good book, I'm not saying you're wrong. I yeah, totally no. get it. I totally understand where you're coming from in terms of the writing and the style and how influential it was and everything like that. The genre has merit for some people. Right. And again, it just was not a book that I liked. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, I think because it is such a low bar right now, there are several directions that we can go that might improve. Um, I would love to see something more modern. Yes. Um, I don't know if that's even possible. I would love to see more character centric uh, Mm -hmm. takes on the genre um less less aesthetic and more like actual import on like the characters and how they relate to society and what we should be taking away from this book and whatever instead of just kind of vague feelings about mm-hmm. how technology is bad for society I guess um <laughs> and uh I had one other th- request now I can't remember oh just that I can like comprehend it without reading it multiple times so like anything in those directions at this point would probably be good okay well the good news is um I don't know if we don't probably don't want to talk about it too too much but the book I have picked for another like example of this Mm -hmm. genre so we we're gonna do like an example a more classic example but since we picked like the classic example it's just kind of gonna be another classic example of the genre and then we move on to the one that i think we'll both like um but it's from 2002 so it's a little bit more modern interesting yeah and also there is a tv series based on it that is uh very modern just came out last year oh i think i might know what it is yeah so if you don't like the book maybe you can just watch the show instead (laughs) But we will talk about that more at another date. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will keep those things in mind. For I, I have a good, good idea good. for a book. I've been kind of like sitting on this for a while because we've kind of we had talked about for a long time before recording these episodes what we wanted to do for our first units. And so I've been thinking about this for a while, and I think I've got a good one that we will both like for the uh, for the last 
Okay, series, cool. So. Looking forward Very to it. Excited. I hope that my my horizons get expanded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope I hope this is going to be a successful arc mm. <laughs> in general. But I guess instead we should talk about what we would. Um, what we've been reading that reminds us of cyberpunk or like things we would suggest along the same vein, whatever in general you've been liking lately, what if, what would you recommend? Um, I mean, here's the thing. I've got a few in mind, but I can't remember which ones of these I've already recommended. (laughs) So I think I'm probably going to go with, because I was thinking like, okay, classic sci-fi stuff. I'm going to go with um, Forever War by Joe Haldeman, which is another like kind of... I don't think I'm familiar with that. Oh, really? It's like another one that's kind of a classic of sci-fi. And it's like about time travel, sort of, and um, this like war that is lasting over centuries between humans and aliens and this guy who's fighting in the war. And um, they keep like having to go through, I think like, time jumps um so it's like this whole thing about like everybody that they know from home is dying and the specific reason that I wanted to bring it up is because I think it is an excellent point of what I was talking about at the beginning that like it is not cyberpunk I don't think anybody defines it as cyberpunk maybe I'm wrong maybe somebody's gonna come at me and be like oh it's definitely cyberpunk I'm pretty sure it's not but it is a perfect example of sci-fi being pretty much always about uh (laughs) like social issues because it was written as a response to the Vietnam war and kind of deals with those issues in a space lens, I guess. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a classic sci-fi that deals with social issues and kind of has computers, but it isn't cyberpunk because it's like not this annoying aesthetic thing that cyberpunk is doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dang, that sounds that sounds interesting. I yeah, I'm kind of I've never heard of that before. So I, yeah. I think sci-fi is a genre that I like. I think I like, but I've not read a lot of. So I might have to check it out. Educate myself. Mm, mm, <laughs> yeah. So what do you, what uh, suggested reading do you have this week? Um, my choice for this week. It or I keep saying week. My choice for this fortnight is. Oh yeah, I did too. So fuck me, I guess. That's okay. <laughs> Binti by Nettie Okorafor, which is a novella, but it's like the first book in a series that I think turns into longer books, but um, which is awesome because it's a sci-fi book written by a woman and a woman of color at that. But it's about this girl named Binti, who is the first of her people to be offered a position at this uh, university, which is like has a really good reputation, um, but she has to like leave behind and kind of sneak away run away from her family and leave behind all of her cultures and customs and enter this scary new world where people you know aren't familiar with her look at her strangely kind of don't know how to interact with her um and then on her way to this university her ship is attacked by a alien race that is very scary she is able to kind of come to an understanding with them and it's a it's a 96 pages less than 100 pages long but there's like a lot packed in to this very mm. short story um so again like you said it's like this this sci-fi story that has um these questions about society but isn't necessarily cyberpunk and it also does that thing where it throws you in to this world and the setting and this different type of technology and everything but 
does it in a way that doesn't leave you asking what the fuck every five pages, yeah. you know? <laughs> I haven't read Binti, but I have read um, Akata Witch, which is mm, also I want by, to read that next. Uh, Nidhi Korafor. Mm-hmm. And I also recommend that. So I guess that uh, I would also like Binti, so I will back up your yes. recommendation. Yeah, listen to the audiobook too. It's like, it's really short. It's like two hours. Um, but, you know, if you listen at one and a half speed like I do, it's not as long mm. at all. But um, <laughs> it's very good. So next fortnight, we're going to be returning to Anna's unit of new adults. Um, I have been scouring the internet trying to find just the earliest example of new adult that I can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem being... They basically all came out in 2012, and they're basically all the first book in a series. So we're going to do the best we can. We are (laughs) going to be reading um, Losing It, which is Losing It number one by Cora Carmack. Cool. Which sounds like it's going to be a mess. I kind of hate it already. It seems to be about a girl who's trying to deflower herself and ends up fucking her college professor oh yay but it's only 189 pages yes there's a lot of uh well we'll get into it next week week with kind of the origins of new adult and how the genre came to be um Mm -hmm. but yeah looking forward to it i am having mixed opinions (laughs) (laughs) until then If you can tell us about celebrity culture and the influencers of the 1980s, then hit us up on Twitter at ShelfAwareCast or email us if you have any suggestions for books or units that we might want to do in the future, uh, ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. We are also on Instagram. And remember, Mm -hmm. we are currently running a promotion where if you talk about us on social media or rate and review us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, or both, uh, you can email us and get some free stickers. Yes, we would love to hand those out. I've given them to a few people, so we do have some people out there (laughs) repping our podcast, but we would love it if you guys spread the good word. (laughs) As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. And we are on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, we'd really appreciate it if you would. Um, if you use Apple Podcasts, leave us a th- that five-star review. And if you don't use Apple Podcasts, you can tweet about us. You can email your high school English teacher about us. You <laughs> can go on neuromancer message boards and tell them how much we disliked this book so that they can come yell at us but maybe end up liking our podcast who knows um do those things like em said let us know if you do those things we'll send you some stickers they're very cool you can check out on our twitter we um have tweeted (laughs) the sticker images so you can see what they look like beforehand as well and in the words of william gibson don't let the little fuckers generation gap you (laughs) (laughs) chug 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 did you die energy it's not even energy today what is it it's oh real sugar orange orange cream (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay